thank you, Malcolm, for that word and our partnership. And uh, we do have uh, about a million dollar, a little over a million dollar loan with CFR right now. If any of you, our partners, would like to write a check for that today, we would not refuse it. So, I hope you're doing well. It's been great weather for us. I know some people are getting hit by severe stuff, but uh, hopefully you're not. And fall is in the air. can smell the pumpkin spice already. Can you? Nasty smell. It's terrible. We started a sermon series last week on the Sermon on the Mount. It's going to be 10 sermons. Now, 10 sermons, you might have done the math. You're like, whoa, that should be done sometime in October or early November, but because of foundations being every last Sunday of the month, this sermon series will take us to the Sunday before Thanksgiving, right before Thanksgiving. It's expository preaching. Expository preaching is when you take a passage of the Bible and you just work your way through it. You just work your way through that passage. That's the main passage. It just says what it needs to say. Topical preaching, we do that sometimes, is where you take a topic and then you get scriptures that speak about that topic. Both are good, both are fine, both were practiced in the Bible, uh, but this is expository preaching, so you can go to our website through your QR code, find that sermon outline. You can take notes if you want to. I think I saw some at the Welcome Center, printed copies. You can find it on your phone and, or your computer, and on the second page of the sermon outline every week, there's a, ministry, a track through the series. So you can see what passages we're covering, what the titles are, and what Sundays they'll be preached on. All right? Just wanted to let you know that housekeeping thing so you, you know where to look if you want to study ahead uh, and be ready for the, for the sermon. I know typically we've just like, oh, surprise, here's what we're preaching on today. But no, I like to be a little more intentional and you can study with us. And last week, Jesus started this longest recorded talk that he gave. It's the longest recorded one. It's found in Matthew 5 through 7. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. And it's, it's, a, it's a short sermon by our terms, but it is packed with so much in there. And that's why we're taking 10 messages, nine counting, now nine, counting this one. And we're going to work our way through it. And Jesus starts his sermon by saying, hey, you want to be blessed? How many of you think you're blessed? I think I'm blessed. I think I'm blessed. You know, uh, we have so much to be thankful for. We live in 2023, for goodness sakes. I mean, look at, the, look at the technology we have today that people in the first century didn't have or people last century didn't have. And constant air conditioning and electricity. <laughs> I mean, there are people in countries right now who don't have this stuff. And I know it goes out from time to time, but if you call that a blessing, that's a big blessing, isn't it? But really, most of us, we look at our, we look at our maybe having a church, having a, a great church that we can uh, identify with uh, people and we can worship together and study together and serve together. But we look at our families and we say, oh, we're so blessed. We're so blessed. Despite losses and things that have happened over the years, we are so blessed. 
And so that's, if, 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 I were to, if I were to say, I'm gonna preach a sermon on how you can have more of that, your, your material possessions and healthy family and all those things that we consider part of our blessing. I'm gonna preach a 10-week sermon series on how you can have more of that. I think we'd have some people show up. I want more of that. You know, I want, I want what money can give me. I want what uh, this lifestyle can give me. I want what America can give me. Well, Jesus, that's the way he starts this sermon. You wanna be blessed? We're gonna talk about how you can be blessed, but I wanna tell you, Jesus said, it's a little bit different in the way you're thinking. The blessing comes when we approach God in humility, not in pride, but in humility, being poor in spirit. The blessing comes when we lose somebody in our life and we mourn, or we lose something very precious to us and we, we grieve over that, that loss. Being blessed means being meek, not weak, but taking the gentle route, taking the, taking the less boastful, the less in your face kind of route. The blessing comes from a continual hunger and thirst for the things of God. It, it will be known by the pursuits of your heart, your blessing, and not the accumulation of your wealth. It'll, it, it'll come, your blessing will, as you learn to be a peacemaker and not a fighter, and not somebody who always has to have their way, somebody who bullies people and pushes people around. You know, these were first century people. They were Jewish people who had been bullied by these Roman soldiers and by their own religious establishment. They, they were first century Jewish people who had listened to these people talk about the law every single day and how important it was to keep the letter of the law. And if you get outside of that, then you're, you're guilty and you need to offer a sacrifice and you need to you need to do better. And it was a constant weight of, uh, of guilt and a constant weight of, of, of a burden of doing this and doing that. But you said the blessing is going to be uh, coming to you when, when people criticize you and persecute you for following me. When you stand with me, when you stand with others who've stood with me, that's where your blessing is going to come. So this is the way Jesus started his sermon. You want to be blessed? It's a little bit countercultural. You know, all of Jesus' teaching was really countercultural. In other words, it pushed back against the culture. The culture says this. You can pretty much think Jesus says this. And that's the way it is today, isn't it? If the culture says, oh, it's, it's good to flaunt yourself. It's good to take off as many clothes as you can and walk around. It's it's good to, uh, you know, flaunt your money and, and be a little bit arrogant and prideful. You can bet Jesus says the opposite. And we can spend a lot of time talking just about that. The culture says this, Jesus says this. And so we have to decide living in 2023, who we're gonna follow? Because I just wanna be honest with you, I'm talking to myself and for most all of you, is that when you look at our lives and you look at what we count as our blessings, far too often it doesn't look like what Jesus said it ought to look like. So living in 2023 with all of our wealth, with all, with all of our 
uh, pleasures. We have to figure out what does it mean to follow Jesus? What does it mean to follow him? I love what Oswald Chambers said. I quoted this last week. I want to read it again for you. Oswald Chambers, he says this. He says, there we go. He says, the Sermon on the Mount is not a set of principles to be obeyed apart from identification with Jesus Christ. The Sermon on the Mount is a statement of the life we will live when the Holy Spirit is getting his way with us. That's, that's the motivation, that's the impetus behind the Sermon on the Mount. It's the lifestyle that Jesus wants for us. And so when these first century followers were looking at people like Abraham and Isaac and David and Solomon with all their fortunes and all their followings, Jesus was pushing back against that and saying, that, that's, that's not gonna be you. That's probably not gonna be you. So you gotta count your blessings in other ways. And then he, he builds from there. He builds, that's the, that's the introduction and he builds the sermon off of that. I don't want you to miss how strategic Jesus is. He didn't just say, um, now I'm gonna talk about this topic and now I'm gonna talk about that topic. No, he's building on that introduction, what it means to follow him. I'm gonna remind you of this throughout the series. He's building on you. You want to be blessed. You want to be my follower. Here's what your life's going to look like. And so the next section uh, in, in my Bible, maybe in your Bible too, it's got a heading over it. It's called salt and light. That heading works for me. Let's call this sermon salt and light. Matthew 5, 13 to 16. Jesus said, okay, you're blessed. Well, you are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So two, two images here, two images he uses, but here's what he's doing here. He's saying, look, you wanna be blessed, you're gonna live this kind of life, you're gonna be blessed. If you live this kind of life, if you follow me, you're gonna be blessed. But the blessing is not just for you to enjoy. It's not just for you. No, we are blessed to be a blessing, right? The, the reason for our blessing is to be a blessing to people. That's what Peter wrote when he says, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Why? So that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So our blessing comes with a purpose. The same purpose that Jesus talked about was his purpose in Luke 19.10. He said, the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. So, you wanna be blessed? Okay, I want you to be blessed, Jesus said. But this is what you gotta do. This is who you gotta be to be blessed. And when you get the blessing, it's not just for you to keep. It's not for you just to brag about. It's not just for you to enjoy. Oh, I've got heaven coming. No, you're the salt of the earth. 
You're the light of the world. What does salt and light have to do with being a follower of Jesus? Uh, you know, this passage has been studied for a long time. We've talked about it for centuries now. But the answer really is everything. In these four verses, in these four verses, we have really the mandate as believers in Christ, as followers of Jesus, to influence and impact our world. And we don't have to start in Haiti. We don't have to start somewhere overseas. We don't have to start in another part of the country. We start right here at our own home, don't we? To impact and influence our world. And if you're gonna do that, Jesus said, we're gonna raise the bar on you. Now, yesterday and this past week was the kickoff for football season. Anybody like football? Anybody hate football? Well, welcome to football season. Sorry about your luck. Or soccer. That was, I was at the soccer field yesterday watching the grandsons kind of enjoy soccer. You know, when they're young, they're just not sure yet. And let me tell you, everybody else in Putnam County was at the soccer field yesterday too. Now let me tell you, I don't know about the little bitty kids, but when it comes to older kids and adults, nobody practices, nobody spends two-a-days in August, nobody disciplines themselves through the summer heat, nobody puts themselves through the rigors of strength training and practice so that when the game comes, they can go sit on the bench. Nobody does that. I mean, even though, even the tiniest kid out there, man, he wants to get in the game. He may not get in the game, but he wants to. Well, I want to tell you something. When it comes to your faith, being Christians, nobody has to sit the bench. There's a place for everybody. I've said this many times. I'll say it again. There are a lot of Christians who are doing nothing, but there are no Christians who have nothing to do. There's something for you to do. There's some, something for you to do. You can be salt and light. Let's talk about salt. Get off the bench. Let's talk about salt. You know, salt was kind of hard to get in ancient times. It was, it was common, but it wasn't easy to get. They didn't have it. They couldn't go down to Dollar General and get a bucket full or a shaker full or whatever. Uh, it, it was kind of hard to get because they had to mine it or they had to uh, take what the ocean, you know, where it gathered in places and, and uh, do some kind of a process where they evaporated it and then what was left over was, the, was table salt. It was a little bit hard, it was common, but it wasn't as easy to get. So it became, and it was an expensive commodity. It was an expensive commodity, they had to pay for it. And the more uh, salt became available in the ancient world, the more civilization was able to grow because salt, they figured out allowed them to preserve their food, their meat. And so civilization went from the rivers, the river valleys where it sprung up, you know, because it was always food sources coming to get water or living in the water to inland. And that's the way, you know, and salt played a part in that advancement of civilization. So it became very common and very valuable. It was, it was a, a seasoning and it was a preservation. And salt, you know, um, uh, became a common thing. Some people say, well, they used to pay Roman soldiers in salt. I, I read both, and I, I, th I think it's more common that they, they paid Roman soldiers so they could buy salt. They could buy some salt. 
And, and, and so the old, the old saying came out is that, uh, you know, he's not worth his salt. They think the word salary, the word for salt is S-A-L, Saul, S-A-L. That's the Greek word for salt. And so if you see a word with S-A-L in the front of it, it could be related to the word for salt, like salami, you know, the salty meat. Or yesterday my wife canned some salsa. Anybody like salsa? Anybody like hot salsa? I'm gonna give you some hot salsa. I'll make you sign a paper too before you eat it because I loaded it with the, with the hot stuff. And so uh, we, we say things like take this with a grain of salt, which means don't believe all of it. And so salt was, as you see there on the screen, preservation and seasoning. I love salt on uh, uh, fresh vegetables. Don't you, Jim? Like a good old tomato out of the garden is salted or, or, or peppers or, uh, or, or Tim, you like salt on watermelon and cantaloupe and other melons. What about pepper? You like pepper? I love pepper on melons too. Try that if you've never tried it. It's, it's good. And uh, it, be, it became known as a seasoning. Colossians 4, we know this. Paul said, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned. That next verse, seasoned with salt so that you may know how to answer each person. So salt was important. We have, Jesus is saying here, we have the role, if you're gonna be my follower, if you're gonna enjoy the blessing and share the blessing, you have the role of preserving and seasoning the world around you. So for instance, if there's a Christian in the crowd, he might preserve a sense of morality. You know, you get a lot of people together, maybe you get a bunch of guys together to watch a football game, and uh, inevitably there, there might be some dirty jokes, and there might be some off-collar remarks, and there might be something. And uh, a Christian, if he's there, he can kind of, you know, keep the bar up. He can preserve a sense of morality and say, oh, man, you didn't have to use that word. Or come on, you know, I know that's funny, but it's just not appropriate. And so that's kind of your role Jesus said, is to preserve a sense of morality. Or if there's a Christian in the crowd and people start getting critical and negative, then uh, a Christian, she might, she might say, hey, uh, you know, let's, let's be positive about this. Let's, let's be kind. Let's not gossip. Let's not do this. And so with her conversation and her smile and her attempt to keep the bar up there, she might be able to influence and impact a, a group of people. This is kind of the practical aspect of it. Preserving and seasoning. Oh, no, I like being around her. She's, you know, she, she doesn't badmouth people. She's not critical. She's, you never see her standing around gossiping. I, I enjoy being around her. So that's our role, that's our role. It's not overt, it's not obnoxious. It's just, it's just preserving what's right, a sense of morality and seasoning life so that it tastes better. Now salt was a powerful image uh, all throughout the centuries. I don't know if you knew this, if you're a history buff, but I, I was reading you know, up on salt and uh, I read that when Leonardo da Vinci painted the last supper scene, he has Judas arm knocking over a shaker of salt. And that same arm has a hand that's holding a bag of coins. Guess how many? 
30 pieces. So in my office, there's this huge tapestry that I just learned after the first service. I just learned this after the first service, Michelle, came from Vietnam. Somebody, Wallace in this church, brought it over from Vietnam and it was a gift in the old building. Anybody remember the old building? Oh, how old are you? It's an old building. It's gone now. And this tapestry of the Last Supper was there. So when I read this on my computer screen, I looked up and said, let's see. And you can see, it's not easy to make out, but you can see on Judas's arm, there's a little shaker of salt that he's knocked over. And it was considered bad fortune, misfortune. And Leonardo da Vinci had it in there. You know, people today, they say, if you spill salt, you're supposed to do what? Take some, throw it over your left shoulder. Cause that's where, you know, the devil sits on your left shoulder. You throw it in his eye and he can't see anymore. And you're, you're good. So, uh, salt. Who was turned to a pillar of salt? Lot's wife, because she looked back and longed for the things there. Some people say, oh, he's a salty old man. Well, is that good or bad? Well, it's bad. But it, it, in Jesus' uh, definition, you, you need to be salty. That means good. That means that means preserving and seasoning the culture to taste good, opening the door for the gospel. And then there's light. Let's not spend a whole lot of time on this one. I see my time's about run out. But Jesus used the word light. You're the light of the world. You know, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The Bible says, he said, let there be light. At the end of the book, at the end of the Bible, in Revelation, the Bible says we don't need the sun anymore. And remember, when Jesus said, let there be light, that wasn't the sun either. He didn't create the sun until day, what, maybe three. And so the, the sun, we don't need the sun or a lamp, the Bible says in Revelation 22, 5, because God will be there and he will be our light. We cannot live without the S-U-N and we cannot live eternally without the S-O-N. The metaphor here is easy. Listen to these verses about darkness. Proverbs 4, 19, the way of the wicked is like deep darkness. Ecclesiastes 2, 14, the wise person has his eyes in his head, but the fool walks in darkness. Isaiah 5, 20, what are those, what are those who call evil good and good evil who put darkness for light and light for darkness? John 3, 19, this is the judgment. The light has come to the world and people love the darkness. How about the reverse of that? Psalm 27, 1, Jesus, uh, David said, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Proverbs 4.18, the path of the righteous is like the light of the dawn. John 8.12, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Romans 13.12, the night is far gone. The day is at hand, so then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. So the, the metaphor here that you're the light of the world is easy. Darkness is, that's, that's the devil, that's evil, that's unrighteousness that's sin light is god that's now don't think these are these are competing there's no there's no chance that darkness can remain where light exists mhm there's no chance let me say that again in your life in your marriage in your personal life in your speech and what you watch what you listen to, there's no chance that darkness can remain where there is light. 
And that's what we need to start implementing in our lives. As followers of Christ, we are here to shine. And we shine in two directions. We shine into the darkness and we point the light on Jesus. We put the spotlight on Jesus. It's about him, it's not about us. We're just kind of the flashlight, you know. And that's what he does. So, the question is, how are you gonna be salt and light? How can we be salt and light? Jesus said, you're salt of the earth and the light of the world. I got 10 suggestions for you here today. I'm gonna give you 10 things, all right? Specific and intentional things that you can do to be salt and light starting today. Number one, grow in your faith. This is obvious. Grow in your faith. Get next to the source. You're cold, get next to the fire. You want to glow about you? Get next to the light. Moses came down from the mountain. He had the Shekinah glory because he had been around Jesus, or, or God, maybe Jesus was there too. He had been around him and he's shining. And when you spend time with Jesus, when you spend time in his word, you're going to shine. You're going to shine. You have to. You have to. It's just going to come through. You're going to be like the flashlight shining through, fully charged batteries. You're going to be seasoning and salt. Number two, pray this prayer every day. Pray this prayer. Lord, use me today to impact and influence my world. Lord, use me today to impact and influence my world. Your world might be a hospital floor. Your world might be an office. Your world might be a classroom with fourth grade kids. Your world might be a car dealership or a mechanic shop or a restaurant or a college class. But if you'll start praying this prayer every day, Lord, use me to impact and influence my world. Say it with me. Would you say it with me? Lord, use me to impact and influence my world. If you'll, if you'll pray that prayer every day, God will open up doors for you to impact and influence your world. Number three, join a group. We talk a lot about groups here because groups are important. Groups are important. You, you sit in a circle, you sit with people, you become vulnerable and accountable. You begin to encourage one another and you do things together. You serve. It's easier to go serve. It's easier to study together. It's easier to, to uh, pray together and, and you can go be salt and light together. It's easier to do that in twos. You know, when Jesus sent out his disciples in Luke chapter 10, he sent them out in twos to go two by two, go with someone. One of you will get discouraged and throw in the towel. Go two by two, go group by group, join a group and you can influence and impact your area and your community. Number four, I'm gonna get a little personal now, all right? A little personal, you might say, uh-uh, not me. Coach a team. Coach a team. We pulled up the soccer field yesterday to watch my grandsons. I looked down over the field. There's like a million people down there. The kids look like ants running around. You seen this scene? Trying to find her grandson. And I saw this green shirt. The green shirt, Dave, and it had a, the G logo right there. I said, hey, that's our softball shirt. Who's wearing one of our softball shirts? He's a coach down there on the field. Well, Mike Castle. Mike Castle from our Taze Valley campus was coaching some of those little guys and gals. So maybe that's you, coach a team. It's just a suggestion. 
you'd be surprised at how many teams and leagues there are just in soccer. I mean, what in the world? Is soccer taking over the world? <laughs> and they need coaches. And if you can't coach, like me, I coached one year. I don't even, I never even played soccer. And this is how desperate they were. Like you, are you breathing? Is your heart beating? Can you coach for us? Yes, I will coach. Uh, and so uh, maybe that's you. Maybe you can influence people and little people and their parents. Number five, be ready for this. Jeff, run for office. Run for office. I can see some of you being a great this or that. And, and maybe it's not a federal or a state office. Maybe it's not even a county office. Maybe it's a Maybe it's the office of a, of, a, of a park board. Thank God for those people who were on the park board. Maybe it's, a, maybe, maybe it's county, maybe it's a, a, your school. Maybe it's your school. Start your own organization and get your family around and say, well, let's vote who's gonna be president. Maybe they'll vote you in as president. That's a great idea for you to be president, Tim. Get your family to vote for you. They probably wouldn't vote for you. And when you, dis, when you put something together, do something good with the organization. Run for office. Number six, be ready. I'm not here to offend anybody. I'm just here to speak. Vote your values. Vote your values. In the first century, they didn't have a democracy. They did not have a vote. So they were bound to obedience. And they, and they had to obey, willingly obey. Even though Roman... Emperors were killing them, they had to obey. Now, there were times where the, the state laws and the God's laws conflicted. And one time Peter said in Acts 5.29, okay, I'm willing to go to jail for this, if necessary, die for this, but we must obey God rather than men. So if you think it's coming to that in your neck of the woods, you just be willing to pay the consequences. That they did go to jail, I think, for that. Now, you might say, well, how do, how do we vote our values? There's nobody that really stands for all that I stand for. Look, you're not voting for a preacher. You're not voting for an elder. You want someone who's going to do what government is supposed to do. What is government supposed to do? Government is supposed to restrain evil. In other words, enforce, create and enforce righteous law. Laws that are biblically valued and preserve freedom, preserve freedom. Freedom means all the way down to your house, what you can do on your property, what you can do in your personal life. Government shouldn't come in and tell you that, they should allow you as long as you're not hurting somebody else blatantly, they should allow you to have the freedom to do what you want. Vote for somebody. That's our values as Christians. Vote for somebody who's going to lead government to do those things that government is supposed to do. If you're looking for somebody who you want to vote for that's going to be an elder in your church, then you're not going to vote. You're not going to vote. They're just not out there. And if they are out there, about a year later, they, they left it. This, if you want to be salt and light, then vote your values. 
because you can't complain if you don't vote. Number seven, clean up your street. What? How can I be salt and light by cleaning up my street? Maybe you don't live on a street. Well, make sure your yard and your driveway look good. Make sure when people come by there, it's like, you know, that, that's a person that takes pride in where they live. And who knows, it may invite a young family or any family to move into your neighborhood because the house was for sale down the street and they looked at your place and they're like, you know what? This is a nice place to live. People care about themselves. They care about their homes. They care about their property. And that might lead to a conversation on a sidewalk one day with somebody who needs a church because you got out and cut your grass or you had someone cut it for you. Who knows? But I think, I think that's a good way to be salt and light. It's, it's not an obnoxious way. It's a, it's a way that we don't think about, but people will look at your house and your place and say, I kind of know what kind of person this is. Number eight, I'm almost done. I know you're not going to like me for this one. Leave a bigger tip. You leave a bigger tip. Leave it, Don, you make sure he leaves a bigger tip today. They say it only takes a dollar or two. Or that's what Bob Russell said many years ago. Today, it only takes another 10 or 20 to leave a bigger tip. If you normally tip 15%, go 20. If it's normally 20, go 22. Go higher if you want. Why? Because this is planting seeds, especially if it's a place you go to a lot. And you're going to go back in there and that person is going to see you come. And they're like, whoa, I want to be his waiter today. I want, to be, I want to be her waiter today. And who knows, that might lead to a conversation where she's getting ready to go get your food. And you say, hey, we're getting ready to pray for our food. Is there anything we can pray for you about? And she says, well, you know, my mother's been sick. And it opened a door. You see how that works? You left a bigger tip. And she said, I'm gonna, I know this guy. He leaves big tips. I want that table. I'm gonna, I wanna, I wanna wait for him. I wanna serve this family. Number nine, use your social media to share a Bible verse. Listen, there's plenty of Bible verses out there. You won't run out. Share one on your social media. The Lord knows we could use more of that on social media, amen? And lastly, do a prayer walk. Do a prayer walk. Today, Valley Park. Some people have been asking, you know, what's our church going to do about this Metro Valley Pride Parade that's happening at Valley Park on Saturday? You know, there are lots of churches doing lots of things. <clears throat> We've prayed about this and debated about this. And uh, so here's what we're doing. We believe the most powerful thing you can do is pray and teach your children what's right and wrong. After being at Valley Park yesterday, that place is slammed with people. I think everything for this pagan pride event is going to happen over the hill at the big shelter. And so uh, I would not encourage you to do that and get, involved, get caught up in anything because they're expecting protesters. And I think it's going to be uh, an ugly thing and not, not good for the cause of Christ. If you want to go incognito and see what atheism is all about and how you can talk about it, and go. But here's what you can do with your family and get exercise. You can show up. Somebody's going to be from the church at 6 o'clock at the wave pool entrance. At the wave pool entrance, there's going to be somebody from our church there every day this week at 6 o'clock. 
6 p.m. And if you want to do a walk and then check in or check in for a prayer, touch point of prayer, and then do a walk, then we encourage that. That's the most powerful thing you can do. Friday night, there's going to be an event at the lower shelter uh, led by a few churches around. If you want to participate in that, sure. It'll probably be a great time of worship and, and uh, uh, speaking and encouragement. That's what we're going to do. And you can do that, and you can be salt and light. And there are tons of people at Valley Park in Putnam County, tons of people who need prayer. Who knows? Maybe you'll run into one that you can be a salt and light to. That's what we're going to do. Lord, thank you so much for this message. Thank you so much for this word from you. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to be serious about living out our faith, about being salt and light in our community, starting in our family. I pray, God, that you would turn our frowns into smiles. I pray, God, that you would take our negative and make it positive and help us, Lord, to be an influence and impact the people around us for Christ. Lord, that's my prayer today. I offer it in the name of Jesus. Amen.